0: The Sports Cage Podcast is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Order your favorite CBH menu items from the comfort of your home with Skip the Dishes. Here's your host, Derek Taylor.
1: 405 on a Monday. The Sports Cage on 620-CKRM. Our text line is open to you at 306-936-6262. Our question of the day: Is it 2017 again? <laughs> Zinger, is was 2017 a couple weeks ago when the Elks signed Adarius Bowman and Manny Arsino and Matt Elam and other guys. I feel like it's 2017 again today, and it's because of the same Elks. Those
2: same Elks just making headlines right before the show starts with another signing from uh, the yesteryear, if you will.
1: Yeah, and we're not talking about Ante Milanovic leader. That's, that guy's still a CFLer.
2: It Chris, is.
1: Chris Jones and the Edmonton Elks today, minutes ago, announced the signing of defensive back, Deron Carter.
2: <laughs>
1: they specifically call him defensive back, Deron Carter. Wild. I don't know if, the, if this is good for anybody. It is awesome. It is honestly, you know what? It is good. It's great because we're talking about it. We're talking about the Elks and we're talking about Chris Jones, the mad scientist, Chris Jones, defensive back, Daron Carter. You may remember him as Riders receiver, Daron Carter.
2: I remember some of the catches he made.
1: Man alive. But But
2: I don't really... uh... I guess he he did have some success at defensive back, but we're talking about a guy who hasn't played. He didn't play at all
1: in 21. So
2: it's been 20, 21, three. It'll be three calendar years since he's been on the football field.
1: His 19 in BC was rough, right? Rough. His 18 in Toronto, Toronto was rough, and I don't think they really. I don't think the coach really wanted them there. I think that was another one of those part where Jim Pop and Tressman didn't really weren't on the same page. So. 2017 was the last time that he was a real <laughs> impact, and it was on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, interceptions for touchdowns, though, they last forever. <laughs> I, I, the Elks are just, man, they're making all the news. That is that is some good times. That is one of the many topics we will discuss today. Luke Mullender at 4.30. Luke in suits crossover at 5.05. Glenn Suter in fine-tailored suits at 5.30. He has an interesting... Uh, I don't know, postulation to make about the officials. Would you rather they let everything go? Would you rather they call everything? Because oh. the Super Bowl was a mishmash of both of those with like four minutes to go, all of a sudden everything was a penalty. Yep. Prior to that, you know what? <laughs> you guys feel free to murder each other. You want to grab a defensive back by the face mask and pull him out of the way? Cool. You want to tug a receiver in the red zone, Jalen Ramsey? All good. It reminds it was, me it oh. reminds
2: me a whole lot like the twenty last year's NFC championship between the Packers and, and Buccaneers where the refs didn't call anything all game and then when it gets down to the nitty gritty towards the end, that's when like the refs were like, Okay, everyone's tuning in to see me. Yeah, exactly. You know? It was there were some questionable stuff going on there, like Ooh. a couple of false starts that weren't called. The two tackles were like a full second off the line before the ball was snapped for the Rams on a couple of occasions on that game-winning
1: drive there. Yep. And the, Was the, the, Aaron Donald offside on that big fourth and one stop that ended the game? Yeah, I think he was in the neutral zone there, yeah. Uh, Mitchell Schwartz, former tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs, seems to think so, uh, so much to discuss on that front. Laura Dyken at 6.05. She's our... Gal for all things National Football League. So we put a wrap on uh, her season with us. Uh, Her Cowboys long gone. Your Packers long gone. So we got two teams that overall, apart from Stefan and Tyner, not a lot of folks really had a side in this one.
2: Yeah. And overall, I was decently pleased with the game though. Like first half was kind of like, meh. like I I love the game's close. So you're thinking to yourself, you know, as long as the game's close towards the, like the end of the game, then it's going to make for like a good Super Bowl. And sure enough, it, it was that, but, you know, I'm I'm just glad I'm not a Bengals fan because I can't imagine if my team was in that position and some of the stuff that happened against the Bengals towards the end of the game there. <laughs> yeah. But Third uh, and whatever.
1: Ugh. Stafford Tough. throws the ball into the red zone, and I think it was intended for cup. Beautiful coverage by the linebacker. Incredible coverage. The clutch coverage you would want from your linebacker. Oh, flag pass interference or defensive holding, whichever one it was. I'm like, that was, you even heard, you even heard Collinsworth and Michaels go, well, they called it Yeah. in the, we can't say that that was a terrible call, but you could tell from the tone of my voice and the words we chose. I think that, that was that like was a, a third call. down too. It was, I, yeah. it was a third down. So
2: that's like, wow.
1: If that call goes properly, uh, fourth end, the game's on the line down four yeah. for the Rams. So officiating as it does in a lot of games. And this is, if you're a Rams fan. Your team got hosed on some bad ones, too. You'll remember Jalen Ramsey getting face-masked out of there <laughs> on the Higgins, the big Higgins catch-and-run. Uh, man, it was just bad all the way around. The Rams are the Super Bowl champions. Are they more likely, or are the Bengals more likely to get back there next year? Oh. Because uh, it was thin margins for both teams.
2: Well, the, the Rams kind of went all in this year, it seems like, with their you know they brought in Vaughn Miller they brought in Odell Beckham they brought in this they brought in that I don't know if those guys are under contract next year or not but it seems to me that you know I if I had a bet on it I think the Rams would have a better chance of getting back just because I don't know if this is like a one-and-done for the Bengals. They're going to have to fix that offensive line for sure if if they're going to have any type of success going forward. Absolutely. But just like the conference that the Bengals play in, like you got to – brutal, right? You got to – you have the Chiefs there. You got, you got the Chargers with Herbert, you know.
1: The Bills might be the, the best team in the NFL next year. Yeah, so – But who, who's not 100% sure what they will be?
2: They got to fix the old line, though, Aaron Rodgers
1: might end up in the AFC next year.
2: Yeah. Uh, so You never know.
1: Like the Rams, uh, the Niners will probably move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. So, what are they going to be if Aaron Rodgers moves on from the Packers? If Tom Brady is retired, the yeah. NFC could be. I mean, the Rams were only the four seed, but what if one, uh, gosh, one, the Cardinals were five, the Rams were four? What if Tampa is dramatically different? The Packers were the one seed? Who was the three in the West? In the NFC, Dallas, D- D- Dallas? D-
2: Dallas Cowboys.
1: Okay, Dallas, Dallas is a contender. So yeah. it's, I think it's got to be the Rams. But and man,
2: who knows if Aaron Donald's gonna retire? I saw he some th- better like, not. yeah, he's got a lot of ball left in front of him. He's thirty. Yeah, you gotta. You, I understand you want to go out on top and all that, but like, you yeah. got he arguably was the MVP of the game yesterday. I know there's a lot of people that thought he should have won it over Cooper Cup, but.
1: Yeah. I mean, you you've got about $250,000 in your wallet right now. How much would you give for a few more years of Barry Sanders back in the day?
2: I would I would give a lot of it. Why? Well, I was very young when he played, so like I wish I had the mind that I did back then. Like he was a great player. I think he retired in what, 99? Tw-
1: I think he was 29 years old when he retired. Yeah. That's about where Aaron Donald is, and honestly, Aaron Donald is about that level of player. Yeah. Right? If he retires now? Ah, don't do it, Aaron. No. Stick around. So game changer.
2: Who knows what the Rams look like? I mean, if if that happens, I yeah. just totally change their defense. So, yeah. But uh, the the Bengals I I feel for Joe Burrow, man. I was watching the the press conference after the game and Obviously, you know, the guy's going to be hurt and stuff, but you could just you could just see it in the dude's face. He was just gutted. How could we not block you know, anybody? He was and, just gutted.
1: And how could our short passing game be so atrociously bad? Yeah. How, as as more than a few folks commented on Twitter, how could you have two weeks to prepare for a game where you know your offensive line is going to get destroyed and be that awful in the short pass game? Just to pull this up. Dude, 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 dude. joe mixon six targets five catches guess how many yards
2: it was like 10 yards or something like that it was brutal
1: six targets five catches for joe mixon one yard one yard huh samaji p ryan had a target for no yards so the running back seven targets produced one yard because that's what the who who knew zinger who knew that aaron donald and uh Gosh, Von Miller and forgive me, ninety-four. Leonard Henderson? Floyd. Leonard Floyd. Excuse me, going to say Daryl Henderson. Uh, Henderson's the running back. Who knew that that defensive line would destroy their offensive line? Who, like we knew it going into
2: of... the game that you know that was going to be like the. It's just, it just amazes me how the Bengals just came out and their offense looked so stale. Yeah. You know, it was it was the same old like slants. You know, little dinks and dunks. You know, it was it was disappointing.
1: It yeah, it was. Um... So much to go over in that game. The non-penalties, the fact that the 19 carries for 30 yards from the running backs of the winning team was yeah. just fed right into my narrative. Why do refs ruin anything? The
2: Bengals uh, kicker staying around for halftime, McPherson. Like, that was that was, awesome. that was pretty sweet. That was awesome. He didn't miss any kicks, so no one could hate him.
1: Exactly. Plus, uh, Richard Sherman weighs in on people are now putting Matthew Stafford in the Hall of Fame because he won a Super Bowl.
2: I knew this. I knew it was going to
1: come. <laughs> Richard Sherman has some thoughts on that. Our good friend Stephan Tyner, he is a Bengals fan. He has been riding this all the way to the top. Texan, it's a good. It was a good football game. It was strange. They decided to throw flags late in the game, but they, the Bengals, couldn't convert on third and one or fourth oh, and
2: one. That was disappointing. Yeah, shouldn't
1: have put themselves in that position overall. Wilson defended the pass. He got flagged on, I thought, but Ramsey got ripped down on the Higgins TD hard. So one for his team. One against his team. And, of course, uh, Stefan told us he built a snowman in advance of the playoffs that he was going to destroy once the Bengals were out, and that thing lived on. Uh, I said I showed mercy on the snowman my wife built me because it was a fun ride to be on <laughs> for Bengals fans. It absolutely was.
2: That was tough, huh? Two, sh- two cracks at it. You need, you need a yard around midfield. like yeah. oh. Help me
1: out here. Um, you are Zach Taylor in that game, the Bengals coach. And you you don't have as much pro coaching experience, right, as Zach Taylor? You have, Not quite. You, no. you have less coaching experience. What would you do in this situation? Forty eight seconds remain in the game. It's third and one on a drive where you're going to need a field goal to uh, tie the game, a touchdown to win the game. And you decide, you know, you, you think, you know, what might be a good play? I got two plays here. One's a, one's a pass play. One is a, a draw play with our backup running back that runs right at Aaron Donald. Thanks. Third and one with Samaji Pirine in the game and they run like a draw play right at Aaron Donald because
2: just goes right at him towards the right a bit like center right like I turned to my dad and not even kidding when that happens like yeah let's just run right at him with the Super Bowl on the line.
1: Didn't they get like nine yards on first down and they couldn't like fourth fourth and one they get sacked and the game's over like you could pick that anything happen? else in
2: the playbook that would be like a quarterback sneak a quick dive play up the middle uh, opposite Donald and just away from Aaron just Donald. do something else than that <laughs> <It was laughs> and then the last throw there by Burrow was like oh I thought. I thought he was just trying. Yeah, I know. But like the the guy that he tossed it to, I thought like, I was like, oh, he might have a chance. Then the ball just hit the turf in front of him. It was so deflating. I was like, Uh, oh, I thought I thought that receiver saw the pass coming. I thought he was going to catch it.
1: That would have been a real piece of magic. But Ultimately, it is the Los Angeles Rams who traded all their draft picks away for all of time to get players in. And they win the Super Bowl. Congratulations to them. And congratulations to Matthew Stafford, rescued from purgatory of the Detroit Lions. His
2: lion skin has fallen off, oh, if you
1: will. you got to be happy for him. Uh, he is not a Hall of Famer, but you got to be very happy for the Super Bowl winning quarterback. It four eighteen. Luke Mullender at 4-30. We'll go all around the Canadian Football League, the NFL. Big trade for the Calgary Flames as well. Plus, Jack Eichel has a date for his Vegas debut. It's all coming up. On the sports cage
2: it's 420 with the afternoon rush Colton flash's rink will be representing Saskatchewan at the 2022 Tim Horton's Briar as he defeated Matt Dunstone six to four in the final of the Sastel men's tankard in Whitewood. The game was tied at four heading into the ninth end. Flash would grab a point in both the ninth and 10th end to seal the victory. so the Briar starts here on march 4th in lethbridge update from the olympics the canadian women's hockey team have advanced their have advanced to their seventh consecutive gold medal game after a dominant 10-3 win over switzerland canada will now face the united states in the gold medal game puck drop is this wednesday at 10 p.m saskatchewan time and it was a perfect day for canadian curlers at beijing 2022 with jennifer jones ending a three-game losing streak while brad gushu beat italy 7-3 on uh, Monday and Jack Eichel is going to be making his Vegas Golden Knights debut on Wednesday against the Colorado Avalanche. General manager Kelly McCrimmon announced on Monday Eichel who hasn't played this season following neck surgery was acquired from the Buffalo Sabres in November.
1: In order to make that move possible Mark Stone goes on long-term injured reserve. He played uh, he's only missed one game one game so far He's on long-term injured reserve. I don't know anything about Mark Stone's injury but it's nice when it works out good sometimes. I call back in action. Nights. Yeah. Yeah. Um the no-look pass from Matthew Stafford, Ooh. can we talk about that for a second?
2: That was that was an underrated one. I think more people need to be talking about that one because we're talking about when we see the no-look passes a lot of the times guys are like like wide open in the flats or something, but Like, the receiver he threw to was, like, open over the middle, but still, it was like a window he still had to throw it through. Yeah. And just the way that he did it, how he he was kind of, like, looking, he was totally not looking at him. That's the The thing. A lot of these no-look passes that go in the category of no-look passes are kind of, like, you know, on the the fringe of one. Yeah. No, this one was, like, lights out Matthew Stafford. So it's… Hall of Fame. Let's go.
1: It's the (laughs) game-winning drive, and Stafford drops back, looks to his left. And there's a shot right from the end zone that has the safety that he's gonna to try to manipulate. Looking to his left, then he looks across looks across to the right. And there's Bell, the safety, sitting there. He looks Stafford looks to the middle and then looks out to the right. And when he starts that, Bell starts going that way. Yeah. But Stafford knows Cooper Cup is on like a dig or whatever, going to be over top of him. And Bell takes a couple hop steps toward. You know where Stafford is looking. Stafford still looking that way. Then hums it back across the middle. A ball that Bell would have at least got a fingertip on if Stafford doesn't move him yeah. with the no look pass. Just unbelievable. It was something angle. I didn't notice. I'm just notice. gonna retweet it because Warren yeah. Sharp has a has a great angle of it. Retweet it at DT on SC. It is incredible. And I, I we first kind of learned this with Patrick Mahomes, right? Because the broadcast. I feel like maybe people have been doing this more than we know, Mm -hmm. and we're just now kind of noticing that, wait a minute, did he really pull that off? Because this is, there have been a handful of guys now that we have Oh, that was a the absolute no looker. And this was a true no look. Like he lingers on the receiver that Bell thought he was going to yeah. when Cup is catching the ball. Like it is fantastic from Stafford. And
2: a lot of the times too, these no look passes, they're they're tough to pick up on when you're watching the game live. Like I didn't even know that happened until I saw it on Twitter after the game, right? So it probably happens a whole lot more than you know, than once or twice during the game. It's just crazy.
1: From the uh, the text line, the Capital GMC text line, it's powered by Capital GMC Buick Cadillac, uh, Saskatchewan's number one GM dealership. Uh, honestly, is the Deron Carter signing any more ridiculous than Manny Arsenault or Darius Bowman? Any more ridiculous? Uh, I don't think, I'm not sure that it is. I, I don't know. It, it, it's, I'm not sure it's any I, more ridiculous. Yeah, I don't think so.
2: <laughs> the only thing is, like, the the, the Manny Arsenault and... Uh, Bowman, Bo- uh, Darius Bowman, yeah, Darius Bowman won. Darius Bowman hasn't played like literally hasn't been on a team since what, what eighteen, right? Yeah, Deron Carter, he, he was playing in nineteen, but he wasn't. He like he hasn't been effective since twenty seventeen. So it's. Pretty much in the same boat. The only thing that's. And he's moving
1: to a new position, by the way. The
2: the only thing that's more ridiculous about this is he's literally signed as a defensive back, according to Twitter here. Yeah. Like, (laughs) that's. Now, if that's not Chris Jones, you know then I don't know what is like you just sit back and wait. Now, like what else does the guy have in store now? Is he going to be signing anybody else? That's going to be Brock. Oh yeah. That guy had a cannon.
1: Uh, Corey sheets. Oh,
2: <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> just to
1: Anybody, just anybody at all. The Manny one is the one that makes the most sense. Yeah.
2: He was playing indoor ball the last couple of years. He's been, he's been active. He's been playing football.
1: He, and he, he did some nice stuff in 2019. Yeah. Uh, Duran did not play defensive back in 2019 <laughs> or 18.
2: Duran's turn, uh, turning 31 years old in March.
1: Is he only? Oh, wow, he is. Yeah. Yeah.
2: 31-year-old receiver converted to defensive back.
1: Someday I'll give you my testimony about Duran Carter. We've uh, we've <laughs> been able to dodge that for a couple of years, but someday <laughs> I'll give you my testimony of, about the guy who was once 10th once in the league in receiving. Uh, and then Adarius Bowman, uh, you know what? It brings attention, and it's personality – and it's just, it's so interesting that the thing Jones was criticized for here when he was here was, I don't really want these personalities in my locker room. Let's get them out. <laughs> and yet, that's what he, people are defending his movie as, well, let's bring personalities into it. Well, mm-hmm. he didn't want them here. He didn't want Bakari Grant when he was here. Yeah. What was, the, who were the guys they just kind of, cut out in 2018 like we we don't want those guys
2: but these are his guys though apparently (laughs) incredible and i guarantee you deron carter is going to be playing receiver by the end of the year too like he's not just going to be a defensive back he's going to be doing he's going to be playing both ways
1: of the three of them now let's take injuries out of this because injuries you'd have to keep a guy of the three of them if they if they get through camp healthy how many of manny arsenal adarius bowman deron carter Make the Week One roster.
2: Oh, that's a that's a tough one. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say two. Two. I'm gonna say two.
1: I love it. The text line. It's for you. Three zero six nine three six sixty two sixty two. How many of those three make the opening game roster for Bowman, the Edmonton, cut. El- <laughs> Edmonton Bowman cut. Elks? Edmonton uh, Elks.
2: Arsenal receiver and Carter will be in at defensive back. That's Zinger's prediction.
1: A lot of teams will be abusing that field side corner if that's the case. Because, oh, by the way, they don't – they're not just muffins on that defense, right? Aaron Grimes, Ed Ganey. You remember those two games against Edmonton where Nafis Lion, number 24, was locking up guys like Shaq Evans. He went, this kid, I've never seen this kid play before in my life, but he might be really good.
2: If I'm a Rider fan, I, I hope Deron Carter makes the team, like – for real
1: can the can the riders then sign chris williams to absolutely torch deron carter is that a possibility <laughs> i think chris williams might be free because we're just winding it back here in the cfl's western division it is four twenty-eight. you missed any of today's show you can always get the sports cage on demand for our friends at the canadian brew house winter wonderful feature dishes available now at the Canadian Brew House, Luke Mullender at 4:30 suits slides in for a little threesome. At 5:05, we'll talk Super Bowl, we'll talk CFL, and more. Sports Cage on 6:20, CKRM. 30 on a Monday all the guests of the show up here on the Western Pizza hotline dinner time game time anytime a great time to order Western Pizza ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials we've got some CFL news to talk about in the five o'clock hour we'll look at the riders list of remaining free agents talk about who should be back and all things Canadian Football League including receivers from three years ago becoming defensive backs in the year of our Lord, 2022. Luke Mulliner, did you happen to catch any of the Super Bowl, brother?
0: Oh, man, what a game. Um, you know, it was funny. I, I didn't really have a horse in the race. As you guys know, I, You know, as a Cowboys fan, you just want both teams to lose or find a way to lose. Yep. But when Odell Beckham went down, yes. there couldn't have been a bigger L.A. Rams fan than me. Because like, both teams are so likable. Right but, but, man, to watch Odell go down after you know what he's been through, essentially you know the city of the entire city of Cleveland um placing the responsibility for their failures on his shoulders instead of where it should be um on their starting quarterbacks was was crazy to watch, um, you knew a little bit of the of the narrative surrounding Odell was probably Odell's fault but to watch him go down and, and and really understand like what part or what piece of of the pie he was in terms of their attack in that playbook on that day on the Super Bowl was uh it was tough to watch but man I I really enjoyed you know really pulling for LA and and the fact that I think he went down really saved us from from LA putting a blowout on him I think that Agreed. they really struggled to, to figure out. So I think it made for better TV to be honest with you, because it, it really became a game. So uh, just, man, just, just fantastic game. In my opinion, uh, defense always wins championships and, and they also lose it. Uh, watching Aaron Donald just absolutely be the I couldn't believe that on fourth and one on fourth and one, if you're going to throw the ball, I could not believe that Aaron Donald was left one-on-one with the guard.
1: Right. I couldn't believe it.
0: Um, but uh Hey, Hey, you know what? That ball was supposed to come out uh, quickly. Obviously, they they didn't um Joe Burrow didn't see the the pass that he wanted to at first and that was all she wrote. But uh what a game. And yeah. and the guys were so everybody they talked to right after they were just so grateful to be in that situation to have the teammates they had. You know, it was it was really nice to
1: see. Yeah. That you talk about the final uh the final drive for the Bengals in that game. There's so many I, – I don't know if you, if you had this because you were inside the game, but there's so many times where I go, okay, I don't know what you know, Zach Taylor, but I know enough not to run a draw play at, at Aaron Donald on third and one with like 48 seconds remaining in the, in the game. I don't understand how coaches get to these decisions at times. Like, for example, calling a play where your guard is singled on Aaron Donald when you need to get the ball off. I, I just don't get it.
0: Yeah, well you gotta I think that from from that point though you gotta remember, okay, you know, just, just A, who is the biggest challenge here on this whole defensive line there Aaron Donald? But B, what defense are the LA Rams playing that takes away the immediate throw they need to make on a fourth and one? So I think that you got a lot of credit goes in. And here's where the coaching aspect comes in. We all know that Raheem Morris is a a fantastic defensive coordinator. And I think that uh, he did a good job, especially in that last part of the game. Um, A, giving Aaron Donald the room to breathe, but B, also scheming up something that was going to keep the ball in Joe Burrow's hands at a split second, because the funny thing about that game was there's all sorts of examples. You can look at that game and you could tell yourself, man, if Joe Burrow had one more second, this would have been trouble. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, and, and that's the beauty of, of football is that you're literally milliseconds away from a great play or or, or, or it's a disaster, and they did a good job of forcing Joe Burrow to keep the ball in his hands for that just the right amount of time for them to get that that pressure on him. Because really, after the second half started, that's when that's when the Cincinnati Bengals that everybody was used to, that everybody expected all year, that everybody saw against the Tennessee Titans. Uh, two weeks before, that's when that line showed up. They were they were the sieves that everybody thought they were.
1: Yeah, it really it really became a problem in the second half of that game. I'm I'm super impressed with with a number of uh, of the of the Rams. You mentioned Odell Beckham Jr. He looked like he was the MVP early on in that game, and obviously it was super early when he goes out. But then you know Cooper Cup in that last drive goes from f- I, th- I think he had four or five catches on that last drive alone and two touchdowns in the game he is ultimately named the game MVP but they they could not run the ball at all at all the rams and and honestly they found a way around it which i mean as much as i want to want to chide uh rams coach Sean McVay for continuing to run the football 19 times for 30 yards they found a way around it showing me the, i just think ah, you know what they were probably just quite a bit better if they could lose OBJ and still Run that final drive right down Cincinnati's throat.
0: Well, you know it's funny too that when you when you, when you look at it like that, it's funny how the top tier teams in in the NFL they're always one play away or one player away from being average, right? Like you look at you look at the you look at the the Rams before when they had Odell in that game. Yeah, you know what? The the the, ball, the run game wasn't working, but you, you had to believe that it would open up eventually. And and one of the reasons, ways it would open up is is if Odell continued to have the game he was having, they were going to yeah. have to put something more into the secondary, and that would have opened them up, right? But it, it's amazing how how literally the Rams went from sugar to, to crap, you know, <laughs> when when Odell went down, and and that's the NFL, you know, you're one play away, and that's the CFL as well too, right? Like here's this team that you think all has all these weapons. And really one of their guys went down that the game plan was devised around and it changed the entire course of their attack. And I think that when it comes to the Rams, not being able to run the ball, I mean, that was the best part of Cincinnati. When Odell went down, they said, okay, now if we really stop the run there, you know, and, and we bracket Cooper cup, Mm -hmm. what are they going to do? And it wasn't like, The other Rams were talking him out of it, right? Like the interception that Stafford threw bounced off that guy's hand. I can't even remember his name. There's a reason why I can't remember it, by the way. Yeah. Um, But you know, the the interception that Stafford threw bounced off his hand. That receiver should have laid out for that ball, went for it with two hands. But instead, it felt like he saw contact and just made some half-assed effort to, to, to reach out his hand and it caused the turnover, right? Like, so there was, there was really nobody else on the Rams offense that was saying, Hey, look at me. I can be relied on too. So to have it come down to that last drive, um, for Stafford to make the throws he's making, and I know that, you know, you, we've all seen on social media another example of, of the Stafford no look, right? Like, yep. you know, people talk about Pat Mahomes and his ability to no look pass. There's been countless examples this year of Matt Stafford putting on a clinic of drawing a guy with his eyes and then going back the other way. But that last drive, I mean, it couldn't have been better. It, and, it, and not just the fact that they made the play. It couldn't have been better in terms of the execution. Right when he needed time to throw, he got it. Right when he needed to make something happen with his eyes, he did it. And every single time they needed to catch the ball, they did. Right there wasn't any drops. There wasn't any plays where it was like, oh man, you know, the, the, There wasn't any plays where we could point D T to to me and you saying, well, that that plays the reason why the Rams lost. Yeah. So I was I was it was it was I'm sad. Uh, I'm not I'm not actually ready to commit. Totally to Toronto Maple Leafs hockey and Raptors basketball, but uh, so be it.
1: Yeah, they converted the fourth and one, I believe, on that final drive as well. They just everything kind of worked their way when it when it absolutely needed to, and that leads to and that's that's the drive that will will make Matthew Stafford's career. And now people are saying, "Wow, come on, he's he won a Super Bowl. He's got a he's Hall of Famer now." <laughs> to which Richard Sherman. The a man after my own heart, Richard Sherman, uh, who does a podcast, says, I'll talk about this on my podcast, but if we're talking about Matthew Stafford being a Hall of Famer, he says, quote, the Hall of Fame bar is incredibly low now, like a participation trophy. And this is clearly, speaking of Stafford, no all-decade team, no all-pro, no MVP, one Pro Bowl, not even MVP of the Super Bowl, never considered the best in any year he played. At least Matt Ryan has an MVP. So Sherman... Not buying the Matthew Stafford is now a Hall of Famer. Wow. A quarterback who wins the Super Bowl doesn't have to be a Hall of Famer, and they don't have to have won the game because of him. Like the Rams won that game. Stafford was very good in some spots, but let's let's not just, you know, lionize a guy who happened to be a member of the winning team, even if he was a quarterback. He was very good, and they probably don't win it without him, but he was not, to me, the reason they won that football game. No, not not by any
0: stretch, and I think that one of the things that 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 people are just doing is just saying, well, hey, it's because he was in Detroit. Detroit's a dumpster fire; it has been for the entire year, right? Like they drafted him number one overall. He was in Detroit. They suck. They they try to suck. They don't even try to get good. And you know, now I think that it's like people get that. Oh, could you imagine? Right. Like, that's what people are doing. Now. Right. Saying, oh, could you imagine if Matt Stafford had played in New England? You know what I mean? Could you do imagine how many Super Bowls. So that's that's really all all, all that's happening right now. And, and um, you know, Richard Sherman, uh, there's going to be debate on whether he gets into the Hall of Fame. Right. So. So. It's it's he's right in in regards to, hey, like, let's not set the bar low just because somebody showed you something that you've never seen before. I think he's right in that regard. I think that what everybody's doing is giving now the hall pass, you know, and and essentially saying, well, it's Calvin Johnson, because Calvin Johnson's a Hall of Famer. He played in Detroit, right? Yeah. But then you look at Calvin Johnson's resume, and you're like, oh, man. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of unstoppable. But then you look, though, and just remind yourself, hey, the guy throwing the ball to Calvin Johnson was the guy who just won the Super Bowl when he got on a good team.
1: Well, and and there's the thing, right? If if Stafford is a Hall of Fame level quarterback, why was Detroit bad? Why was Detroit well, so know, bad?
0: Yeah. Oh well, because Detroit. They, I mean, Detroit's Detroit- the same organization that fired Jim Car-
1: Caldwell, right? Like they they, they just <laughs> Well, Luke, they, you know, had they replaced it with a white coach who could go four and twelve for a couple of years. They took yeah, a 500 well, exactly, coach right? like and they got rid of him. Oh, the Lions! You get they, everything They've you taken. they they they've, they've wasted.
0: millions and millions and millions of of miles of people's career, right? Barry Sanders is the best. I mean, Barry Sanders retired when he was at the top of his game just because he couldn't even take being in Detroit anymore.
1: Calvin the same. Calvin Johnson the same thing, right? Those are two – I mean, Sanders is a a class of his own in my mind, but those are two super elite talents that went, yeah, you know what? I'm done with this stuff because Detroit. I'm
0: out. Yeah. This place sucks. I'm out.
1: But you know what the
0: thing is though, but that's Detroit. I mean, take it from a guy who, who's an hour and a half down the road in East Lansing, whenever I went to Detroit, that place just, it just, man, it smelled like death. I've never seen large skyscrapers that are just totally deserted and empty. Like the, it's just, man, it's, it's, it's the primary, you know, it's, it's the problem they've had since the automotive automotive industry uh, essentially moved forward. Right. Is, is, that was a state that was primarily just an automotive industry state. And that went away, man. Really, the only thing that was downtown were the Detroit Lions, the Detroit Tigers, and the Detroit Pistons. And the rest, everybody else lived in
1: Southfield. Ah, but they got a brand new casino down there now. I mean, it's a couple oh, years man. old now, but got a big casino. And last time I was there, they were putting in a Buffalo Wild Wings. So, remi- I'll tell you the
0: time we went, to, I'll tell you, remind me of tell Teleron Nation the time we got robbed going down into oh, Detroit.
1: Oh, <laughs> okay. It was, uh, it was, I like it was, this. It was
0: actually it was pretty funny, but it wasn't.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. 4.44. We'll go to break on the other side. We'll talk some CFL news. Uh, the Edmonton Elks continue to make news with strange signings in my in my words we'll run those by luke Mullander next this segment of the show for nick service in emerald park your local massey ferguson challenger rogator gleaner and fent dealer call 781 1077
2: 446 with the sports ticker, the Calgary Flames and Montreal Canadiens have swung a deal. The Canadiens send Tyler Toffoli to Calgary. In return, the Habs receive a first and fifth round pick, Tyler Picklick and uh, Emil Heineman. Rams wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. is believed to have torn his ACL in last night's Super Bowl win, according to NFL Network's Ian Rappaport. Beckham scored uh, the first touchdown of the game, then left the game in the second quarter on a non-contact play. Sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right, 781-2090.
1: And that was, I mean, that was going to be a big play. If he doesn't care as well, maybe not a big play, but...
2: It would have been, you never know.
1: Running them across the formation, and defenders smash into other defenders, and man, L.A. was making it work early on. That's sad for Odell Beckham Jr., but he does in, in the end to get his Super Bowl ring. Derek Taylor, Luke Mullender with you, and... Luke, Chris Jones can't stop making news in the Canadian Football League, and not every signing is created equally. Some will be more impactful, some will be less impactful, some are more fun to talk about, others will ignore. Uh, Anti-Milanovich leader signed by the Elks, okay, we probably don't talk a ton about that, but they have signed defensive back Duran Carter to a contract, which is one that we're going to need to talk about your your thoughts on the elk signing defensive back duron carter
0: great i think it's a good thing for the league um uh we we you get another guy who's 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 well known uh maybe for sometimes for for the wrong reasons but um at least it's an identifiable face uh, and i think that you sort of you sort of the fact that you even mentioned it this was was really appropriate is when you look at the signing of Antti milanovich leader, right? Mm-hmm. So first of all, that's like, that's like three names right there <laughs> in one that nobody recognizes past you and I and, and a handful of others. I think Antti milanovich leader is a great football player. Actually, I think that he's a great blocker. I think that in terms of Edmonton and, 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 and Steven McAdoo scheme, I think that he. Fits really well and provides them with some some great just all around football play and special teams play. But that's the problem is that you know we don't know guys that are uh, that are that are good football players in this league. Unfortunately, we know guys like Deron Carter who are great football players, but also carry a considerable reputation. But at the very least, it gets people talking about the Canadian Football League, and it also for a team that was just seemingly mired in controversy over the last year and a little bit, because of some of the moves, like, you know, not not bringing on the, their equipment manager for his 50th year, things like that. Mm-hmm. Right. You, you could use, if you're the Edmonton Elks, you could use um, some fun press, right? Now whether it, it, it rolls out after training camp to Deron Carter still being on the team, well, that's really all you're trying to do um, is, is you're trying to just get through training camp to put the final product, an exciting product, on the field. Right now, you just need people talking about your brand. I'll, I'll tell you what. I am, I am all in on Victor Queen or Q, or, or I, and you know, I don't want to disrespect The new Elks that, president, yeah. I am all in. I, I, I had literally five minutes to myself today, and I used that five minutes. Now you can judge whether this was appropriate, but five minutes of my free time went to Twitter today. Right? Got it. And as I used that five minutes of free time irresponsibly on Twitter, I ran into Victor um, Victor I've just Q- gone. Quee. So Quee. Victor Kui. I ran into him reading mean tweets about the Elks organization with his mother. <laughs> this guy gets it. This guy is going to be Fantastic for the organization, but also the league. You've seen the new owners from Montreal and from BC come on and say the right things, right? And to each his own, because I'm sure that each one of those guys is doing a great job. Victor Quivo understands his environment. He understands that organization. He understands their fan base, and he understands what has been missing from that in, in that fan base's eyes. I think this guy is fantastic for that organization because he gets it. He understands that he needs to bring back the Elks fan base, the core fan base. He understands also that bringing back the core fan base isn't just the only problem. He needs to engage a new fan base, and that's how he does it. By putting quirky things, I, I purposely went and read the comments underneath his me, reading mean tweets, and it's and it's filled with people who think it's funny, people who think it was cute, people who think, oh man, this is hilarious. like literally he's getting people talking. I think it's great, so I, I'm not even mad at Duron Carter because, by the way, in Chris Jones' system, Duron Carter was actually half-decent well, in the
1: defensive back. Now we're going to fight about that. Please, please, Hold
0: on a second, ODT. Lay, Hold on. lay it down and I'll I'll rebut.
1: He, for
0: what he was asked to do, which was essentially just don't let anybody behind you, I thought he was, I thought he, I, he didn't see Like, we weren't clamoring for the next guy. We weren't clamoring for the next defensive back. Nobody in Rider Nation was like, oh, man, I can't believe Durant Clark's playing DB. So-and-so should be playing DB. We didn't have that answer. Well, wow. so from that from Chris an Jones' doing. standpoint, yeah, but from an aesthetic standpoint, this doesn't hurt them at all. All it does is get people talking about the Elks organization, and that's exactly what that organization needs. You know why? Because all anybody right now is talking about, and and it gets me is, is because I hate it is they're they're talking about the success the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have. Yep, for sure. There's the right ten- attention now is being turned. You know, it's, it's good for the West Division specifically where it's so competitive. It needs to be competitive off the field, too, from a marketing standpoint. And I think Victor Kui gets that and is going to get them there.
1: Uh, so, uh, Luke, you're in favor. Brian's on the text line. Says, not sure why the Der- Deron Carter signing is so bad in your mind. I think Speaking of me. And uh, Brad says, wow, DT just hating on DC. Come on, man. He's a personality. Absolutely a personality. Um, the reason let's just go through, uh, what you said there, the reason people weren't clamoring for the next guy is because that guy did not exist. Chris Jones did not have a real defensive back on the practice roster when he flipped Deron Carter over to cover for Nick Marshall's injury. So there's one, uh, two, I was watching that year. You know, I've been, been charting games for, for a long time. That was the only time in six years of charting where I saw a defensive coordinator go, We need to take this defensive back and put him on the weakest receiver. We need to move our defensive backs to cover for this guy. Teams go strictly. You guys, you guys play the short side, and you play the wide side. Nick and Ed, you're on the short side. Uh, Damon and Christian, you're on the wide side. That's that's what CFL teams do. The 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 Riders had to cover for Deron Carter because he was so essentially. So essentially,
0: what you're saying is essentially what you're saying. Is Chris Jones did to De'Ron Carter what CFL teams do to Canadians and their perceived weaknesses. Because no. the reason why the reason why defensive tackle, specifically nose tackle, is considered a Canadian spot yeah. is because that's where they're gonna get the least amount of 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 plays that hurt them. The reason why safety has always been a Canadian spot because because safety is a position that assists the talented yeah. players. That right. So field corner, so field, field wide
1: receiver, I, interior I, offensive lineman. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. this league hides so Canadians. Absolutely.
0: So yeah. So I don't I don't see anything wrong. But with Chris Jones identifying Deron Carter's weakness as a defensive back, who by the way was playing at the pro level and never played a rep in. High, in, in in college at defensive back like keep in mind there's a reason why you need to shield deron carter from anything wrong because it's pro football this
1: wasn't some high school right
0: experiment, but Remember he was that.
1: he was not qualified to be playing the boundary corner but for the sake of nobody in the league travels defensive backs but the riders had to because they put deron carter on the field that was that's a that's a shocking development when you, if you are listening, when you watch next year you'll see nick marshall is always the short side guy Always. He, he doesn't track yeah, totally. anybody. He doesn't travel. He's the short side guy. That's how they do it. And they had to change Ooh. for Deron Carter. So to me, that's one for he's he had two touchdowns on interceptions. I get it. But he was a liability. And then, oh, by the way, and I hate that I'm full into the Deron Carter thing. He has all the talent in the world. His, his, his claim to fame, that catch against Toronto here was unbelievable. Top three catch in the history of the CFL. He goes, goes up over whoever and backhand one hands that. Incredible. Duran's claim to fame as a receiver is that he was once 10th in the league in receiving. Congratulations, but that's not an re- accomplishment that you, you can retire on. Be first in the league mm-hmm. in receiving if you're the most talented receiver in the world, and then oh by the yeah. way, he's not coming in as a receiver; he's coming in as a defensive back. Like
0: this. So again, again, you know, uh, and here's the other thing, DT. Is, is again, I'm going to say, like it's it's February,
1: and we're talking about it, and I'm steamed about it, and that's why it's genius. But that yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Like, it's literally February, <laughs> and.
0: Ron Carter, once he gets an entire training camp under his belt, if he gets that much, you know, they'll really know what he is as a defensive back then. And 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 trust me, Jones isn't a guy who's afraid to shoot a text message and say we're cutting it, right? Like, yeah. that's the thing. Look how steamed the voice of the Riders is getting.
1: Oh, About
0: I another it. guy on another team. I love that's it. What we need in the Canadian Football League. What I, I love that I fell for you it. I, conversations.
1: Yeah, no, yeah, I, you did. I love that I fell for it. I love that I'm taking the bait on all of these because that is that is the genius of Chris Jones and these. That's the genius of the but Vince that's, Young and move. That's
3: the thing,
0: though. but that's the thing. That's yeah. Canadians, Canadians of and 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 stakeholders of our game need to be taking the bait more. It's why nobody wants this foolhardy CFL International 2.5, 2.7 experiment. It's because we haven't taken the bait on our own, on our own game. And I think that that's the best part about this is we're taking the bait internally here. We're not talking about, you know, some guy who played for the Fire, you know, and, <laughs> and played his whole league and said, nobody, you know, like, yep. there's a difference. We're, we're talking about this is something that's getting us talking, right? So now, look at the day. Look at the day.
1: Today February 14th.
0: Featured February 14th. The Alps didn't even have to put, Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. You know why? Because they had their CEO engaging the fan base, reading mean tweets, which was stolen from one of the most popular talk shows, so they're onto something there. And they signed a guy that everybody loves to hate, Right? And now, in that day, Luke Mullender and Derek Taylor, who sit in Saskatchewan, they're debating the Elks. Uh, Oh, Ante
1: Milanovic leader is a great son. Yeah, it's
0: totally passed over. Ante Milanovic leader. Ante Milanovic leader is literally sitting there like, hello. I got $5,000 up front. Where's my where's my note?
1: Where's my press? And we'll like, talk about a move by the Elks. Luke, we got to hit the, we got to hit the break for news. Yeah, yeah, but uh, we'll talk about a move from the Elks that I think could potentially interest the riders and perhaps Rider Nation will do that as Glenn Suter joins us at 505. Sports Cage on Demand. Wherever you get your podcast for the Canadian Brew House. Winter wonderful feature dishes available now at the Canadian Brew House. News is next on 620. CKRM. 507 on a Monday the sports cage on 620 CKRM Derek Taylor Luke Mullender and Glenn Suter with you suits quick version how was
4: the Super Bowl for you well Super Bowl was great it was great because I got asked by a really good friend of mine here in Vancouver to he was making some bets and more than even if I was betting my own money when I give someone advice like that, I am I am just going crazy watching TV, hoping <laughs> that they win their bets because, you know, they came to me for the expertise and I don't want to let them down. So I, I got the spread right yep. because even though the team didn't win, they, they beat the spread if you took it at the right time. And uh, the, the Cooper Cup catch prop, we also got that on the under. I just thought I just thought eight and a half was too much, and you yeah. got that on the under, so I was really happy about that <laughs> yeah.
1: so cup did you right, uh Luke Cooper cup did you dirty, right, getting in the way of something for you? oh yeah, man, I had a nice little uh
0: you know one of those i was I was actually just all the only bet I wanted to make on the Super Bowl was whether the uh the national anthem was going to be over and under a certain time period, I couldn't find that bet but what I was though. I found a bet that uh, was plus a lot of money. It would have won me $3,750 for putting down next to nothing. <laughs> but the bet was for Odell Beckham to score the first touchdown of the game wow, and for man. T. Higgins to score the second touchdown of the game. So I started doing, doing sort of the calibration. I said, you know what, I could, I could, I could make this bet, A, because you know, whenever you bet, you just bet amount of money that you're comfortable with losing, right? Yep. But, when, but I kind of figured, I'm like, that's actually a scenario that could play out. So I I put some money on. So when I saw Odell Beckham score the first touchdown, I'm like, oh, this is money. And then, as you guys know, in this in the first quarter, the the uh, the Bengals got down to the near the goal line, and they tried to run a slant with uh, with T Higgins. And uh, you know, the one good play Ramsey made all that that whole game was was at that time. But if if Higgins had scored the t- second touchdown of the game, I would have won a considerable amount of money. But. <laughs> Because Cooper Cup, in between yep. Beckham and Higgins Higgins scoring their touchdowns, had to yeah. go and score and be Cooper Cup. It ruined everything.
1: Yeah, Higgins Higgins got the third touchdown of the game, and I texted Luke, "Wait a minute, does that mean you won? Like you had him for the Bengal?" You're like, "No, no, DT, calm down." So uh, ultimately, screwed by Cooper Cup is uh, Luke's story of the 2022 uh, Super Bowl huh. suits. We're talking a lot about Deron Carter, defensive back Deron Carter, here on the show because I took the bait. Uh, TC and Medicine Hats on the text line said, uh, my little guy and I saw that Carter catch in person. Unreal. Uh, Mm -hmm. Hello, Tony Champion. Of course, the one here against the Toronto Argos. Uh, Another text just says, best memory of Deron Carter. Uh, It says here when he picked off Bo Levi Mitchell twice in a game, uh, he picked off Bo, I believe, in consecutive seasons was that, but uh, Duran making his uh, impact on defense. You you guys at TSN will have stories for days in training camp because of the Edmonton Elks.
4: Yeah, you know, Chris Jones is really building a, a team where he can walk in the locker room and say, guys, nobody thinks we're anything. They think you're too old. They think you've got too many problems. They think we're a, a bunch of misfit crew and it's up to you to go in there and prove them wrong. He's He is building that pre-game, pre-season speech every time he signs somebody. And this this is adding to that list because, well, I love his athleticism. And I, I always think that a player and a human being can evolve. So because we can't forget what Deron Carter was when he was getting in fights with teammates in practice. And I don't mean the good ones where you're in the middle of a of a live run drill and things get a little heated. I'm talking about the, the bad ones when you're just being a jerk on the field. And he, he has had that history and that's not good. It's not good for the league. It's not good for the team that signs them. That's not good, but I, I believe players can evolve. I believe human beings can evolve. So maybe he's grown out of that stuff and I'll give him the benefit of the doubt there. Um, but I think that is part of this discussion. It's,
1: it, it is. And there's, there's a point where Duran's been in the league for seven seasons to me, to me. And I'm, I'm slightly biased by the time I had to sass him online that, that he is what he is. And he is a guy who is immensely talented. And I don't, I don't, I I just don't even know anymore. I I expect he has zero impact on the, on the Elks this season, just because, but it's to Luke made the point earlier. And I want to get you on this. We're talking about the Edmonton Elks in February. And it isn't the, ooh, it's kind of sad that he, he's bringing Vin, Vince Young out of retirement or whatever to come play. Like We're talking about the Elks because he went and got a polarizing character and, and said, yep, you know what, we're bringing him in. This is, Chris Jones is, is giving us something to, uh, to chat about while other teams kind of put us to sleep in, in week two of free agency.
4: Yeah, there's there's nothing wrong with that, and and I, I think you know I, I listened into you guys discussing it, I, I I agree with you in in some re- respect because you, you you're creating a a polarizing storyline narrative that we can debate and talk about. It's great for talk radio. It's great to put the team in the news, but I I think forget Carter for a second and look at a bigger picture. When you start to do that too much, you're you're basically saying. I'd rather create a circus act. I'm not talking about Duran here, but yeah. I, I'd rather create a circus act than build a credible, respected football league and football team. And and one that the, the home crowd can be proud to go and support. And I, I, I think that should be your priority. And and we should be always saying these are world class athletes. World-class coaches in our own backyard. End of discussion. Not let's let's put a circus tent in Toronto <laughs> and bring in X, Y, and Z. Yeah, because we might get a few people talking about it and fans. Let's build something that people respect.
1: Yeah, the the Argos, Luke made that made that play right last uh, off season. You and I were talking about hey, they've went and got a lot of a lot of American names, a lot of NFL level names, and a couple of them Sean Oakman was fantastic for them this past season Shane Ray uh, I think spent most of his time injured but did some stuff you, you need you need the I need the payoff at the end I is I'm with suits that I need the payoff at the end of of quality talented players who who can potentially perform at an elite level
0: Yeah I totally agree and and that's why I think that uh, this this Deron Carter thing is nothing but positive because at the end of the day, or even before training camp starts, once they do one of their, you know, off-site recruiting camps, um, I mean, Chris Jones will release them, right? Like, it, nobody, nobody loses here. It's, 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 a winning, it's a winning sort of thought just because, hey, they, they do have training camp to, to make a decision on whether he's an actual. Because that's Chris Jones. Look, he, at the end of the day, he's a guy that nobody can argue. He's a guy that can see talent and find talent. So bringing in Deron Carter, when you're going to also bring in probably two or three other guys and, you know, that, that are, that are talented probably, you know, on their third strike in, in, in some way, shape or form, but talented nonetheless. I mean, again, I, it, it doesn't, you know, it when you, when you're allowed a hundred or 70 camp bodies using one on a guy that has a name, you know, and, and by the way, Right. I don't think it's fair that we say this is a stupid move for Daron Carter, but we don't actually point out the fact that he brought a Darius Bowman and Manny Arsenal back as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, let's keep this Same in perspective. Thing. This isn't the At only. Too, is, yep. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, again, I again, it doesn't it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt the bottom line because the bottom line is, 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 is the team's going to be formed after June. Right. And it doesn't get formed in February.
1: Well and and that's that's an important point to make uh, cuz Luke I know you, both you and I kind of the, the way you kind of fall in love with a, t- a player on the other team when you're calling games suits I don't know if you did the Riders Elks games but Nafis Lion took over at that cornerback spot little number 24 he w- he looked fantastic and Oh he was awesome. Yeah and as long as none of this hurts his development cuz that guy looked like he might be a star at the CFL level this just can't that's got to be the priority, and I have to believe Chris Jones well knows that. Hey, this kid, this 25-year-old kid on the corner needs to be the priority, regardless of what we do around it.
4: Yeah, I, I think Luke is right. We, you know, when you say Luke that that it's it's if you're bringing in a camp guy, he's a great athlete, and if he has evolved as a human being and all that other stuff is behind him, that off-field stuff is behind him, then it's worth a look to to check that out. You know, I felt that way about Casey Printers in BC years ago when he was having some issues and had that thing when he went down south and that that show that was built about him and he didn't look good at all. And I, I kept saying, I think the line should bring him in and take a look. It doesn't it doesn't hurt to do that. It creates discussion. Plus, you can always let him go. the The problem becomes, if there's a coach involved, Chris Jones in this case, that decides that even though he may not be the best DB or the best to start a corner, I'm going to start them anyway for that reason, for the reason to create news and to have a great athlete out there that, you know, maybe he makes a spectacular one-handed catch in between getting beat four times and never making a tackle in the run game. You know, like, yeah. you know what? Yep. I mean, if, if a coach decides that that becomes more important than building a credible football team, he will destroy the locker room because everybody knows who should be on the field. He'll destroy the locker room, and then the league, if De'Ron Carter goes off the edge, then the league has to wear that. And and he shouldn't have been in there in the first place if he wasn't the best corner. And that's that's my concern when this kind of thing happens.
1: Yeah, it's absolutely a reasonable one, and we'll wait to see how it all develops in Edmonton. It's 5-18. Let's talk about the Riders free agent list when we return Two, four, six, eight, ten, eleven 11 names. Uh, two of them, three of them probably not coming back. We'll discuss who the riders should be interested in here in week two of free agency. It's coming up in the cage.
2: 5.20 with the afternoon rush. Jack Eichel will make his Vegas Golden Knights debut on Wednesday night against the Colorado Avalanche. General manager Kelly McCrimmon announced on Monday. Eichel, who hasn't played this season following neck surgery, he was acquired by the Buffalo Sabers, or from the Buffalo Sabers, rather, in November. DT.
1: Free agency week number two. Of course, it opened last thir- or last Tuesday. The Riders making the the big news, getting back uh, Duke Williams to a contract. Two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen names remain on their free agent list i'll go through them and luke i'll come to you first with with give me a guy the Riders need to be on the horn to if any exist on this list for you freddie bishop offensive lineman brett boyko defensive back christian campbell offensive lineman to cofield olympic bobsledder and safety jay dearborn uh, alex dupuy we know uh, the riders are moving on from aj hendy jordan herdman reed of course they signed justin late last week Cam Jefferson, the offensive lineman. Uh, Tony Lippett, who never appeared. LJ McRae, who never appeared. Jordan Reeves, who didn't play last season. John Ryan, who the Riders are moving on from. And Jordan Williams-Lambert. Those are the names remaining on their free agent list. Who should the Riders be after Luke Mullender?
0: Well, there's only one that really sort of stands out to me, and and it's it's strictly a depth issue, is Brett Boyko. You know, he gave you serviceable reps here this year. Um, in a couple of different positions, and I think that uh, again he, he he answered he answered some questions about himself in terms of you know whether this guy's a guy that can contribute significantly to to a win on the offensive line. So I look at Brett Boyko if the price is right as being the, the guy on that list, and I also like J.D. J- Dearborn obviously. I think uh, Jay Dearborn made some plays uh, this year, but more importantly, the plays he made. Were when the window of opportunity presented itself. He was a guy that's really uh, that was really opportunistic. Um, and, uh, when you have a guy like that, you want to see more out of him and you want to see him continue to get opportunities. So those would be the first two guys. And then, uh, my third one, uh, strictly because he's out of Michigan state and he's a beast, Tony Lippitt. Lippett,
1: <laughs> Lip the defensive back who's never been up here, but, uh, Michigan state's party, uh, that for life, uh, suits. There is a Simon Fraser guy on here. If you feel like you need him back, but who would you be calling if you were Jeremy O'Day?
4: Yeah, I I think Luke and I are basically on the same page here. I I think, first of all, any O-lineman you can bring in that has some experience, do it. Do it for the competition in camp. And, you know, maybe these guys have taken a step and they're going to be better than they were when they left the team. So any O-lineman. So you're looking at uh, Cofield, Brett Boyko, absolutely try and get them if the price is right. Jay Dearborn. Now, now, Jay, there's your story. There's your great marketing story. What a great story he has become. And, you know, you, you build on that. Plus he made some plays. So I I love that one. And uh, you know what? I'd still try to make things work with John Ryan. I I just, I would love to see somehow him get back in the fold. I, I just think, I mean, heck, I'd even put him in the front office. (laughs) Why so? I mean, John is Regina football royalty. Exactly. Is that that what leads you to say that? Well, no, I I still think he can pound the football. You know, I I thought it was real funny when he came back and people were criticizing for kicking it too far. I (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was hilarious. Even though I I get it on directional kicking and everything like that, but yeah. hey, give give me I'll take the problem as a head coach that my punter kicks it too far. Um, you know what I I I just think because of the combination of those things, I still think he can play. I think he's got lots of years. It's not about the money for him. He's in it for the right reasons. Great great marketing weapon in your on your team throughout the province. He's got to be able to still do the job, though, DT. I mean, at yeah. the end of the day, he's got to be the best punter. So let's have the competition and see.
1: Yeah, Corey Vedvik, currently the uh, the punter that they will bring back to camp. We'll see if they add anything to that. Uh, Luke, you did not say – and neither of you guys said Jordan Herdman-Reed, which catches me a, a little bit off guard. What do you, what do you remember of, of Jordan Herdman-Reed last season? And – I feel like a, a Canadian depth piece, special teams and linebacker, sure, I mean, wouldn't hurt.
0: Yeah, I think that um, it, it, when you say it like that, I, I would I would probably tend to agree with you. But again, I think that Jay Dearborn is the guy you prioritize in that conversation. Again, uh, I, I would look at Jordan Herdman-Reed as a linebacker that can contribute on special teams. So that's linebacker depth and special teams. I look at Jay Dearborn for what he actually did. Played safety, played defensive back, played strong side linebacker. So there's three positions right there including special teams. That's the guy I'm that's the guy I'm trying to get as most as much out of as I can.
1: Yeah, I feel like and suits I I I I hope that this is how it's working out that they're just waiting for him to be done at the Olympics because man if if that Canada I think he's on Canada 3 if that sled that he's on does anything they have the fastest run one day if they finish sixth heaven forbid and not to say they can't get a medal but if they were to somehow come back with a medal and I don't know where we rank in bobsledding if he came back with a medal the CFL needs to put him on a throne and carry him from stadium to stadium
4: well and bring other gold medalists in to do some ceremonies before the game kicks off and bring his whole sled team to Saskatchewan and you know all, all of those things. But here is a guy again. Back to that messaging idea. Mm-hmm. Here is a backup player in the Canadian Football League that is a world-class Olympic athlete. Yeah, I mean, there, there is your, there is your messaging.
1: Bring in Sam Jager. Bring in Shaq Murray Lawrence as well. Two other guys: Jager, yeah. who's in a sled; Murray Lawrence, who's a reserve. Both former CFLers. At, I I love the thought of that. Um, anybody for Jordan Williams Lambert? Do I hear any Jordan Williams Lamberts out there? Zinger, can I get a little Jordan Williams Lambert? Or
2: <laughs> that's a name I yeah hasn't been talked about. Huh? Or
1: or Luke has that has that ship sailed with with a story that I'm I i do not think we know the entire story behind that.
0: Yeah, I'll due respect. I think that um, you know he he in 2018 or whatever it was. I think that uh, I think that he was a nice breath of fresh air. Um, and I think that now there, there's other guys that you can probably focus on to develop. Um, and again, if you're gonna if you want to bring American receivers into camp, go get somebody that you're really excited about.
1: I like that. All right, I'm gonna throw one name at you because it was also on the Elks transaction wire. Suits Dakota Prukop released today by the Elks. Should the Riders have interest in the? Four-year veteran, forgive me while I pull this up. Four years in the Canadian Football League, fifty-six total passes. He showed some real run ability in twenty twenty-one.
4: Yeah, I think if he's your short-yardage guy, you know, maybe you look at him at, at that spot. But if you can only put two on the on the roster, I'm not sure if that's your first choice.
1: Luke Mullender, Dakota Prukop for you.
0: I think that Mason Fine came in here in versus insurmountable odds, like. For, for goodness sake, he had a former first-round draft pick in front of him in camp, right? Yep. Um, he had a bona fide CFL backup in front of him in camp. And as of February 14th, he's now the backup QB. That's a guy I, I want to learn more about.
1: Plus, he he managed to hit the crossbar on the north end zone in like day one of camp. We roundly chided him for it, and he persevered. Suits and he was on the he was on the roster for the playoffs. That's a guy who's got some got some stick to itiveness right there. He hit the cross he hit the cursed crossbar.
4: Come on, Mason. Yeah, and I and I <laughs> love that, that that Coach Dickinson has has allowed a guy to work his way got his opportunity as Luke mentioned behind a former number one NFL first round draft pick worked through all of that and has been rewarded and was rewarded in the playoff game to get the number two spot. Yep. And if you just throw that out the window, cause there's a okay free agent out there, you're, you're, you're eroding the integrity of what you've built in the locker room yeah. by saying, if you work your butt off and earn it, you will advance yourself in the depth chart. And that's what Mason Fine's all about. So the guys say Brett Boyko, Jay Dearborn. Maybe a
1: little Jordan Herdman-Reed and Luke is on Team Tony Lippett with the Michigan State thing. Who do you want the riders of their own free agents to get back in there? Please do hit us up on the text line at 306-936-6262. It's powered by Capital GMC Buick Cadillac, Saskatchewan's number one GM dealership. Luke Mullender, thank you, sir. Uh, You're in Super Bowl afterglow. We'll talk to you on Friday. Happy Valentine's Day, Rider Nation. See you when I see you. <laughs> He's Luke Mullender <laughs> with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, any time. A great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. 5.30, fine tailored suits next. Suits thoughts on the Super Bowl and why do referees try to ruin everything? I'll see <laughs> if I can bring them on board with that when we return. The Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. At 32, time for Fine Tailored Suits, brought to you by Quality Tire, 10 locations across Saskatchewan, qualitytire.ca. Glenn Suter. how did you take in the Super Bowl yesterday?
4: Oh, I quietly had a little Super Bowl party with my bride and I, and we sat and watched every play. I could replay it. I could do my own analysis, which I do whenever I watch a football game. I mean, not that I mute the other guys. I just go back and and. Use it like I would a game tape. Yeah. Where I like a player, I'm watching back, saying, "How would I have broken down that series or that play if I was in the booth?" And I I kind of use it as a working tool. But like like the uh, Cooper Cup drive at the end of the game, man, I would be going to his ISO every replay to see what the Bengals were trying to do to stop him that wasn't working early in the drive. Then they go double team twice, stop him twice. And then they go back to a single and he throws a touchdown to him. So like, <laughs> like you know, I mean, that would have been, so that's, that's kind of how I watched it. You know, it was, I thought it was a great game. No, though. It was, it was entertaining. It was a fun game to watch and yeah. uh, you know, good ratings.
1: As, as a broadcaster, you that's, that's the level of game you, you do in our country, right? You're the great cup guy. How would you, have covered for some of those calls those officials did and did not make. What's your go-to when you do not agree with what's been called on the field?
4: Yeah, first of all, you have to say it. And I, I didn't think that they did that in the booth in the Super Bowl very well when the fouls or missed fouls occurred. I, you know, I, I think you ha- my job is to give my perspective based on my experience and the, and the amount of games I've covered and playing the game and all of that. And give my perspective on whether or not I thought the call was, you know, a good call, a bad call, um, fair, interpreted wrong, should it be challenged? All of those things, mm-hmm. um, not not to find a way to criticize, but to, to analyze honestly what my opinion is of the play. Like, for instance, the T. Higgins blatant missed offensive pass interference call on Jalen Ramsey. Yep. You know, that one, boy, they, they danced around that in the booth. They, you know, well, they showed a close-up of Ramsey and, and he was sort of had that puzzled look on his face with his hands in the air. And and I, I think the comments from the booth were something like, yeah, I hear you. You're right, Jalen. And and I went, right about what? You, you have to give your opinion. Was, was that PI, offensive PI, or wasn't it? And did they miss the call or not? Because that was yeah. a huge play in the game. They're
1: very cautious. Collinsworth and Michaels were very cautious in that game with how they expressed that 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 things that were called penalties weren't, or things that weren't called. Minute 47 left, third and eight from the Rams, eight, or I guess third and goal from the eight yard line. Stafford goes across the middle to Cup, and Wilson, the, the linebacker, is yeah. in perfect coverage. They replayed it. He doesn't grab, he doesn't tug. It was it was maybe the best coverage job he's ever done in his life. They throw the flag for holding or PI and the guys, the replay comes up and Collins were just like, "Yep, yeah, well, that's what they called because you know, he disagrees with it, but he very intentionally in that case doesn't say, Whoa, that's a real stinker. That one's going to affect the game dramatically. That ruined it for Cincinnati. Like he stay, he definitely stays away from those things.
4: Yeah. You know how you just described it and, and what he could have said, I, I wouldn't go there either that drastically. Yeah. Like, it's like fixed. that's a stinker. <laughs> it's fixed.
1: It's a fix. Yeah.
4: It's fixed. Yeah. Well, ex- yeah, there's a but line, I, you know, right? But yeah. I would have, I would have broke that down quite simply. And and again, I'm not criticizing calling. I think he does a great job. And, and obviously they're, they're a top crew, but you know, I, I, I would have looked at it a little differently and said, based on the way they'd been calling that game, including missing the opi or maybe seeing it and saying you know what it wasn't enough um then to call that one is my issue with officiating it's not which is a more consistent crew are they better down south are they better can't forget about all that for a second but how would you dt how would you rather of have that game been called more like the missed OPI where maybe let's say they saw that Mm -hmm. and said, you know what? Yeah, he grabbed his face mask, but didn't really affect it. Yeah, he may have pulled him a little bit, but I'm going to let the guys play and determine the outcome of that particular play themselves unless I see an egregious foul. Or would you rather them call the game like the ticky tack call on Logan Wilson, who, by the way, I thought was one of the best players on the field for both teams throughout the game, but Logan Wilson on that on that interference. Cause I couldn't agree with your assessment more. How do you miss one? Like the OPI and then call that one, which was definitely sort of ticky tack. Yeah. Not even a penalty. That that's my problem. Yeah. I, I feel
1: like I, I would love the line to be drawn at. We'll let you play a bit, but this is the line. Uh, when Jamar chase makes that one handed catch. That should have been pass interference on Jalen Ramsey because he's got a fistful of jersey and pulling it back. I think it's that same drive, Bengals going right to left, and Higgins, oh, Luca talked about it, the one that would have won Luke all the money. He's getting a handful of jersey on that one too, and you go, you're letting it go here, and yet it's the most egregious thing. 47 minutes later in the game when it's on the line it just it it doesn't make a ton of sense refs ruin everything suits <laughs> agrees all right <laughs> let's let's oh wait no i i didn't no. um <laughs> No, no. Suits, suits never agrees when I say stuff like that. It's just <laughs> inflammatory on my part. The Rams are Super Bowl champions. Matthew Stafford is a Super Bowl-winning quarterback. Cooper Cup is the MVP. Had they gone Aaron Donald, I think everybody would have been uh, in favor of that as well. I don't know. How much did, did OBJ going down affect that game in your mind?
4: Oh, it did. It did for sure. Um, you know, I, I made a f- about you know three or four... Observations. First of all, I, yeah, I thought the Beng- the Bengals coach, the Bengals coach, has got to punt the ball at midfield and in, in drive two. I mean, oh, suits no. I, but, and I, I knew you were going to debate that, and I knew you didn't like you. I you love liked his you liked his decision. I, I did not because their first on their first series defensively, they went out and <laughs> shut down the Rams' offense. They get the ball back. And they get a chance to get the field position advantage early in that game and give their defense nothing but confidence going on the field for the next round. And they go for it on fourth down, don't make it. And the Rams put in the end zone four or five plays later. They're down seven nothing. I just, you know, I know that I know in the NFL there's a, a sort of a bubble distance between the 40 and the 50 in there. Where they say, you know, our chances of kicking it into the end zone and only getting a twenty-yard net here, or fifteen-yard net, is, is, is pretty good. So we're going to just go for it on fourth down anyway. Uh, I I understand that's different than Canadian football, but I'm I'm playing the field position game that early in the game, especially once I saw my defense play great in series one. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: I'm trying to think because. Uh... The Rams made a valuable, the Rams made a fourth down conversion late in the game. That one, I was fully on board with them going for it. They failed. Honestly, watching the Rams then move the ball down the field, I feel like they would have scored from anywhere because that drive was not very difficult from their perspective. But that's, that's one that will ha- be hung on Zach Taylor for a while. He had some bizarre decisions in this game that are going to be hung on him. Like, Suits, I-, I didn't play pro football. You played pro football. I come to it with this assessment: It's third and one, late in the game, like 48 seconds left. We need a field goal to tie, a touchdown to win. I'm not with my r- backup running back going shotgun draw and right at Aaron Donald. I'm just not running right at Aaron Donald. But a professional football coach chose that as the best possible move he had in that moment. I, I'm not going to pretend I'm any. I'm smarter than Zach Taylor. I just don't understand. Why Samaji P. Ryan, who when Joe Mixon was running the heck out of the football, why Samaji Pirine is running right at Aaron Donald at a critical juncture of the game. I don't get it. I don't get what's going on. I don't understand.
4: Yeah, I think we you know we fall into the into the second guess mode there when we start to because if like like the draw play is a tough one. and I agree with your assessment because of the play call. like where that draw play could have ended up going? Um, it didn't have to go right after right behind or right into Aaron Rodgers it could have gone or sorry Aaron Donald uh, yep. Aaron Donald it could have gone it could have gone off off tackle because the draw plays are delayed get the get the pass rush up the field and then try to run the draw play past them that was kind of that's kind of the design of a draw and you know you could go back and look at that fly sweep for the Rams and Cooper cup made on a key short yardage play. Yeah. Fourth down. Yeah. Fourth. Yeah. Fourth down. And they get the conversion. And I thought, wow, that was a gutsy call to run a fly sweep, where (laughs) all it takes is one D lineman to take a step across the line of scrimmage play over lost of two ball turns over on downs. Right. So there, you you know, we could fall into that, but uh, you know, I, I think you, you do in general, game plan to work away from the opponent's strength. So in key situations, make sure you're double teaming Aaron Donald, make sure you're not letting him beat you. If it takes three guys, make it three guys, but don't let him beat you run away from him. Yeah. In key situations. So, and that was Luke's, That's right. That was Luke's
1: point about the fourth down play. Third and one goes absolutely nowhere. Fourth and one, Luke's, Luke's thought was, okay, why is my guard singled on Aaron Donald on this? And again, by that point, yeah, Aaron no Donald way. was wrecking the game. Like the defensive line took over and Donald himself was wrecking the game. And there's a, an overmatched guard going, hey, please block the best interior defender of all time.
4: It's professional yeah. coaches, man. Yeah, and you and you know, the other thing is I, I thought that um, – burrows when he when he got hurt you know when he got twisted and he got sacked and he got up limping he wasn't the same after that and and i don't know if in the next week or two we're going to find out that he hurt his knee or or maybe something else but Mm -hmm. uh, you know and and maybe he wasn't but he he wasn't as mobile he looked tentative and that made it that much tougher on that final drive with a minute to go having said that They mishandled the clock, and this is a young quarterback still, but they mishandled the clock with a minute fifteen in that final drive. They used up, I want to say about 18, 20 seconds to throw an incompletion when Chase didn't even know what the play was. They didn't get it communicated. He ran a curl and Burroughs threw a deep play. They wasted a down in 20 seconds there, and then ended up losing the game on that same in the next two plays. So you know they they're gonna learn I think he'll be back although you never know it is you can say that and it is so difficult to get to the championship game I got there once in 11 years and 190 something games yeah one time so you could say he's a great player and should be back next year but it's not that easy Dan Marino went
1: in his second year Marino may be the most talented quarterback to ever play and went one time Joe Burrow went in his second year and that AFC is loaded uh Zinger and I talked about this earlier we we agreed the Rams are more likely to get back next year than the Bengals just because of the conference they play in would you co-sign Kansas City Chargers Buffalo like Cincinnati has a real gauntlet of superstar quarterbacks to get through in that AFC
4: yeah. You know, I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It's a, it's a guarantee. Oh, you know, no, let's, let's see what the other teams do. And, but, and, and I, I'm not completely, I think Stafford played well at times and he made some bad decisions at times, Yep. both interceptions. One you could say was not necessarily his fault because the receiver didn't really put a great effort into it, but, that interception with a more accurate throw probably doesn't happen. And his bad decision on the second interception, that was an injury, that was a, a, just a flat out bad decision to throw it. And that didn't cost him because they win the championship. So he, he had his moments in he, and the last drive phenomenal, legendary, Fantastic. legendary last yeah. drive. Um, and, and no when looker. you have one go-to receiver in yeah. that drive and you just use them, despite what Cincinnati was trying to do, yeah, that's that's outstanding for him and i and i'm happy for him because you know he's a good story in the detroit days and all of that but is he gonna be a guy that gets you back there every year Uh, next next
1: year he's He, uh, I said it, I've said it for as long as we've been talking about the Rams, super high ceiling and just, he brings a low floor with him, right? Like the, we talked about the no look pass where we're talking about it earlier. I retweeted it at DT on SC on that final drive. He knows an in route from Cooper cup is coming. So he starts off looking to his left, then looks to his middle, sees the safety there, then looks to his right. The safety takes two steps, and while looking there, he throws it back kind of where the safety was two steps ago, complete to Cooper Cup, an absolute no-look pass, and it's a dime to Cooper Cup, and you go, there's not a ton of dudes that could do that in the Super Bowl. And then he has some weird plays <laughs> as well. He's, he's got to be absolutely confounding, but he is now a Super Bowl champion because he held it up for four games on this playoff run
4: and and four games and a fan that fantastic drive i retweeted that that as well i can't remember who i retweeted but i retweeted that replay to to take people's attention to that db The i think it was bell number 24 and and how he moved the db to that short curl route with his look and then threw it almost blindly into that into that window again that that takes a level of confidence on, on that stage, you know, great cup or super bowl to, to have the confidence and the, that veteran savvy to go, I've got to move this safety out of the way. Yeah. I can do it with my head and then just throw it into that hole. Knowing my guy's going to get there. I, I retweeted that as well. Cause yeah. I was, I was yelling at my TV, show the look off show the look up. <laughs> yeah because if he looks back right if he
1: looks him off and then looks back the bell may have a chance to react to get a fingertip to that and who knows what happens but he went full no look and it was absolutely gorgeous from uh from matthew stafford in this game he finishes up 26 of 40 for 283 three touchdowns and two interceptions uh some beautiful balls along the way and the rams with a three point win, three three point wins on their Super Bowl run.
4: Yeah, I just a great playoff run for the NFL, the championship game, as long as one possession outstanding. And just for the record, just so I know, I'm just making sure we are both in agreement that we would rather officials leave it to the players, even if it means to a point The the T, the T Higgins play is okay to be left as no penalty. Because I know some fans of you know of of the Rams would have disagreed vehemently with that. It was a penalty. But I would rather err on the side of keeping your flag in your pocket as a referee yep. rather than throwing it on a ticky tack type of situation. I'm I'm
1: with that a hundred percent, but you can't just this axiom that we're going to let the players decide the game is To me is nonsense because you're gonna let cheating decide the game. There's there's gotta be a level. Like, okay, we miss we missed T. Higgins just gooning Jalen Ramsey, but you gotta you gotta catch the bad ones. Or else say we're just gonna it's gonna be prison rules, uh what's what's the movie football in jail adam sandler longest yard it's going to be the longest yard and there's going to be balls thrown at the officials groin and that's not good for anybody it can't it can't just be anything goes but i'm with you in that let them play to this line and then start calling it because these guys are absolute physical marvels at the at that level so why why not see what happens when they go after it yeah no no not anything goes for sure, not anything. Of, Agreed, but
4: but yeah, okay.
1: But yeah, toward the end, uh, the non foul. It was that was in no way a penalty on third down and goal from the eight, and that changed the game. Unfortunately, so five fifty one more. Come with suits on the other side.
2: Five fifty three with the sports ticker. The non contact knee injury that cost Odell Beckham Jr. more than half a Sunday Super Bowl. Uh, is believed to be a torn ACL. NFL Network's insider Ian Rappaport reported Monday, such an injury would mark Beckham's second ACL tear to the same left knee as he missed nine games after injuring his knee in week seven of the 2020 NFL season. Tough news for OBJ. Sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. 781-2090.
1: Zinger, I hadn't really seen this, but you talked about uh false starts on the Rams offensive line on the malarkey penalty suits that we're talking about on third down every, every lineman, all four linemen except the center take off well before the ball is snapped. So why was that not called in the moment? Way uncomfortable with how this all works out. I'm, I'm so happy. I didn't have a horse in that race that I wasn't rooting for one over the other. Cause as a Bengals fan, I'd be irate and be thinking you know you know what i don't know their texting wasn't invented last time we're in a super bowl but now it is so what do we not have today that'll be there 30 years from now when my team finally gets back
4: yeah i, I just and and it, it really bothered me that logan wilson i mean he gave up a couple plays in the passing game that weren't huge in, in the you know in the meat of the game but i thought he was just all over the field playing great and that was an outstanding knockdown in a key third down play over the middle and it was a game changer and to to interject yourself as an official in that moment it just wasn't enough it wasn't enough and yeah. and I was thinking I'm glad we, if if in the Canadian Football League if the official or excuse me the coaches had a challenge at that moment which I've always believed you should be saving them for moments like that if you have a challenge you could have challenged that in the CFL
1: Yeah, and oh, by the way, it was the best receiver in the game too that he covered beautifully on that play. Uh, I won't subject you to my Super Bowl is proof that running backs don't matter theory because I want to ask you about Aaron Donald. There was the thought that, oh, Donald, this might be his last game. He might retire. He might be done at 30 years old. um, One, I have no claim to Aaron Donald's life, but he cannot leave. I need more of that cat in my life. He is... He, that final play, he gets the sack on fourth and one uh, guard tries to get his hands on him. He just goes, Nope. Wipes him yeah. off. He didn't hit his yeah. microphone though. I did <laughs> just gives him the total wipe off and goes the steam rolls right through. He is unbelievable for being essentially an undersized defensive tackle.
4: Yeah. And I'll, and I'll bring attention to the post game interview. The first guy, first guy that they went to, and that's not surprising and the emotion that he showed, I I just, you know, I, I get emotional watching guys do that in any championship or, or on the podium with a medal, and you see the emotion because that emotion represents years of getting close and not getting it. It represents all the times you were hurt and playing hurt. It represents all the times when you didn't think you could make it to the next level or could I, can I make this team? And and I guarantee you how great they are now. Every one of those players, every athlete goes through it at some time in his life where they have self doubt and they're not sure. And they, and they push through and they train and they put hours and hours into it. And then when you get to the peak of that mountain, like he finally did, and to see the emotion, I mean, he finally turned to um, – I can't remember who was interviewing, but he – Was it foya Yeah, I think it was. He, he turns to her and he says, I, I just – I don't know what to say. I'm in the moment. And there's tears running down his face. And I thought, yeah, I hope you don't go either. I oh. hope we can watch you play the game of football again because I don't care what side of the border you're watching. That's, that's a great football player for the right reasons – heart and soul guy, good for him. Now have a ring on his finger. And I just love that emotion at the end. It was, it was real sincere and, and it's what it's all about.
1: Well, and when he makes that sack and then he just walks out, the field, he's like pointing to yeah. his ring finger, like it's going right here. It'll go <laughs> right here. Cause the game's over. I'm like, Oh, that is. For a guy who is not overly expressive. I thought, Oh, that is, that is just fantastic. Uh, just uh, a guy you root for. You know what was the 11th overall pick and absolutely changed defensive defensive interior play in the nfl uh, unfortunately for every other defensive tackle who will follow him why can't you do what he does i don't know because he's an absolute freak and it's been incredible to watch final thought to you suits
4: one other one other observation of of the championship game the super bowl championship game will Farrell and ryan reynolds tweeting that they're hat wearing and and showing Lions gear, BC right? Lions gear, and a BC Lions hat, and Will Farrell and Ryan Reynolds, who is from Vancouver originally, and brought uh, Deadpool back to Vancouver in the shooting of that. To, to have that go viral and see that, again, let's be proud of our game, man. Other people are. The celebrities are. They love it. They're having some fun with it, and it, and it spawned all the tweets of – Snoop Dogg in a rider jersey at a different event, and I see all these tweets of all these celebrity guys. My kids love halftime, that's all that matters. As long as the kids love it, it's great. Yep, and and um, yeah, I, I will, Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds, they, they were kind of like my unsung heroes of the championship. <laughs>
1: There, there had to be a bet that Will Ferrell lost, that he had to be wearing. I don't know what it was. I need to know the story behind that photo because it was it was fantastic. Suits, thank you, brother. We'll talk to you uh, tomorrow. Yeah, thanks, guys. Glenn Suter, Fine Tailored Suits, brought to you by Quality Tire, 10 locations across Saskatchewan, qualitytire.ca. 559 News is next on 620 CKRM. 605 on a Monday. The member berries mean we're welcoming in Laura Dyken, who's on Olympic duty. Is that right? Did we wake you up early from your Olympic duty? (laughs) Yeah
3: no uh sleep is sleep is for the week these last two weeks so uh i've got a couple days left and then i may sleep for for days on end but hey mark mcmorris in action again on day 11 so maybe he can pick up another medal
1: yeah he has what one from slope style uh the the qualifying runs were today and then the championship runs uh will be tomorrow
3: look at you you want to do you want to do some of these shifts for me buddy
1: hey i I only had to know like eight athletes from this whole thing mark (laughs) mcmorris emily clark Graham Fish, Marsha uh, one, two guys playing hockey, uh, Jay Dearborn, the Riders, who's a bobsledder. Like, there's That's those, right. There yep, were only yep. like eight of them. So. <laughs> Makes pass
3: it, with flying colors.
1: Not bad. I, I, Laura, I just wanted to let you know that uh, back on Christmas Day, I tested positive for a performance-enhancing substance, but the CAS said uh, keeping me from doing the show today would cause me irreparable harm. So I'm like that little figure skating gal from Russia today.
3: So sent. you sent it to the Swedish laboratory, and it, there was just a mix-up, and yeah, it's uh, – the Russians, they can't help themselves, can they? they? They really can't.
1: They really, really can't, and I won't drag you too far down that road, but uh, <laughs> figure skating is a disaster once again at the Olympics. So did you get to see the Super Bowl live then, or did you, or did you have to play catch-up?
3: no i i did i made the huge sacrifice as only a on-air poodle can say instead of going in early to get my makeup done professionally i stayed at home to do it myself and brought my ipad into the washroom so i could watch and hear and got it so that the mirror could show the reflection of uh, most of that fourth quarter so luckily i got to watch it all no chili or anything like that no beer obviously but yeah. uh yeah, it was a great game. I mean, I don't know what I was expecting, but that was it was entertaining from start to finish. It
1: it was entertaining, but they were real both offenses had some real long lapses in there. Like until that final drive, the Rams had nothing in that second half. I don't know if that was OBJ being out or what, but till that final drive, which was just magnificent, they they had nothing. There was some real strong defensive work in this game as well.
3: Yeah, it was, again, a kind of the tale of two halves. I think at one point in that second half, both teams combined for six punts. So you're right. It just slowed down big time. And it wasn't, you know, these long, lengthy drives. It was three and outs. And and you mentioned the Rams, I think. There were two times they started right around midfield when they got the ball. And they went three and out both times and didn't get any points. But I kept... uh, you know sean McVay always likes to keep things interesting doesn't he and it's it's running the ball when you're like okay even my grandmother can see that running the ball is not working you might want to switch things up a little bit yeah. and then he forgot for a really long time that he has this guy named cup on his team who's i think he had a really good regular season and i think he ended up being the super bowl mvp but it just took him a long time to realize that he had that that weapon on his team but it wasn't uh it didn't run out of time on that sense because I think he was only targeted like six times or something before that final drive and mm. McVay finally realized who he had on his team and, and then Stafford looked like like a Super Bowl MVP himself. I mean it was uh it was tough for obviously for Joey B and company, but that offensive line you knew it was gonna be in tough against the defensive line, Aaron Donald, Von Miller and, and company, and, and they held in for well, a while. Yeah. <laughs> for a while
1: and and then the dam broke and we we've been around some of the coaching decisions and stuff like that give me your overall assessment of matt stafford in this game because people are now saying well he should be in the hall of fame uh 26 of 40 283 three touchdowns two picks One of those picks was a drop by one of his receivers, so it's tough to blame him too much for that. He makes the no-look throw to cup on the final drive. He has some amazing Stafford-esque passes in this game. What's your overall assessment of Stafford's performance?
3: He did have those, wow, I can't believe he did that, but also on the flip side, you had the, oh, my goodness, I can't believe he did that because there was an interception. I think it was near the end of the first half, right into the end zone, and, and the Bengals kind of gained a little bit of traction after that. He didn't lose them the game. But we mentioned that there was a big lull there for, for most of the middle part of the game where neither offense had anything going, but you look at, you know, his ankle almost broken half at one point near the end of the third quarter. And you talk about his toughness all the time. Do I think he belongs in the hall of fame after that? No, but you've got to be incredibly happy for the guy because, you know, it'd been 13 years purgatory in, in Detroit. This is why the Rams brought him in. And I know, for a while in that game, people were calling for Jared Goff, and that Goff could have done the exact same thing <laughs> that Stafford did. Oh, and I no. think that's extremely unfair because at the end of the game, they had the ball, they actually got a good game plan going, and he executed it to perfection. So, you know, maybe I give him an 8 out of 10 total because you only remember how good he is as uh, right at the end. But, yeah, the calls for Goff were a little ridiculous. But, um He's always good for one of those, like, what are you doing throws? And we, and we did get those, but luckily for the Rams and their fans, it didn't come on that final drive because, you know, we talked about even that missed, missed extra point that loomed large because they couldn't just kick a field goal there on that final drive. They needed to go for the touchdown, although they did get some help from the refs there at the end, but but Stafford should be really happy with his performance and, and he'd never won a post game before this year. Yeah. And so it's just an awesome story.
1: Well, and now they come from the four seed to win it. So it took four playoff wins. Uh, to get there uh, all sorts of talk for the next little while will be about really the officials you didn't call that but you did call this and that wasn't a penalty but you missed that uh, there was a real I don't know when the inflection point was but in that fourth quarter where they went oh yeah all that stuff we let slide it's now time to take it all back and that's that's the worst way to handle it in my mind
3: yeah, I agree, and you're right. The big penalty that sticks out is going to be the the uh, the touchdown to Higgins and the, let's call it blatant face mask yeah. on on Ramsey, who had some tough moments in the game yesterday as well. But you're right. I was surprised to see that these two teams were among the least pe- penalized all season long, and I think before that final drive, there had only been four penalties around there throughout the beginning part of the game which was really refreshing because we've seen so many games where the refs just take over and and the the pace of play just slows down so much but you're right you can kind of you know if if you just kind of look at the box score and you say okay well it makes sense the Bengals young team not supposed to be here the nerves are getting to them on that final drive but yeah it was that it was the the hold right that gave yeah. the Rams three set you know a new set of downs and and you know the announcer Collinsworth was just saying, you know, that's a little ticky tacky and you're right, Derek, exactly what you said. They hadn't been calling those throughout the whole game. So why now when it comes down to it, where you're going to, you know, have a little bit of a scar on your head now from, you know, how well the game has gone. And now we just look back at that and say, did they get a call? And they needed the Rams to win because as the Rams (laughs) inch closer and closer to that goal line, it was just more and more questionable call. I mean, there was one really blatant one. I think it was Eli Apple with, I don't know if it was the hit on Cooper cup, I think in the end zone that yep. rightfully so he should have been called for, but there were a couple of that you kind of go, ah, oh, and it, and again, it's just unfair that sometimes the game can, can come down to that.
1: Yeah. Well, and that we hadn't talked about that because it was now a, a lesser moment in the game, but if it was Apple or whoever it was that drills cup in the head in that play in the end zone, there was a holding call in that play as well. Right. So mm-hmm. drilling him in the head, trying to dislodge the ball or be cool, whatever it was, makes that no play when it would have been what it would have been third down and 10 more yards, which would have been a terrible spot for the Rams to be in. And then what Vernon Hargraves runs on the field in his flip-flops yeah. and socks. Yeah. <laughs> like some, the, some stuff that one was deserved flip-flops and socks. That's 15 yards. That's, that's absolutely going to be the way for that one. Laura Dyke at the TSN with us on the Western pizza hotline on the scale of sporting tragedies how big would aaron donald retiring at the age of 30 be for you
3: pretty high right. i was surprised i i because obviously with the olympics i'm not i wasn't as maybe tuned in with the lead up to the super bowl as i would have been normally but i didn't realize that aaron Donald had had said if they win that that might be it for his career and I mean you kind of look at it now and say well what else can he do we go back to like the Calvin Johnson and such these talented players Barry Sanders that walk away uh before we want them to but at the end of the day it's about you know you see him on the field after with his family and you'd like him to be able 20 years from now to be able to bend down and and have movement in his legs and and his knees and all of that so it would be a big disappointment for me too like I for whatever reason, maybe just because I'm like, you know, a five foot five little woman, I always have a soft spot for big defensive players. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's, you know, I would always joke when I was a kid that I wanted to be like Warren Sapp because I was like the opposite of me physically. And you go out there and crush quarterbacks and, you know, make people pay. And it would be too bad that a talent like that would go, but, but you've got to respect it. Right. Like what else can he do? And again, last play of the game, the Bengals yeah. in desperation mode, he's the one that comes up with the big play at the end, and, and that kind of wraps up everything that the Rams did. Their stars came out when they mattered most, but I, I really hope it's not it for him, but you can understand why why he'd be tempted to say goodbye for sure.
1: Uh, I, I just need five more years uh, of it. Seven. That's t- awesome. Yeah, seven times first-team All-Pro. When people cite Pro Bowls, that's malarkey because like a third of the quarterbacks in the NFL every year are Pro Bowlers. First-team All-Pro, seven times years he was the best defensive tackle seven years and he's only 30 years old and no one uh, no one expected anywhere near this when they drafted him uh in the first round who is more likely to get back next year the rams or the Bengals?
3: Well, I would think the Rams are going to have a lot of money issues just because of the stars that they've had on that team and their cap issues and all that. I don't know all the, the scenarios about who's a free agent and whatnot, but the AFC is a tough one, right? And you look at the Bengals and you don't say, okay, it's a dream season. They've got a lot to build on. Obviously, when they go into the draft, they'll probably try and shore up that offensive line. And this time, if they don't take a wide receiver, we'll say, okay, they did a good decision that time. But the AFC is tough, right? You look at the Patrick Mahomes, you look at Lamar Jackson who had an off year. It might be a little more difficult to go through there. But if you're losing pieces like, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. is probably not, you know, if he did tear his ACL, who knows what he's going to look like. If you don't have an Aaron Donald, if you don't have a Von Miller who says that he's going to go out and test for agency, mm. maybe my money goes towards the Bengals. But again, I, I feel like the AFC is the tougher conference over the NFC moving forward and, and all those other puzzle pieces, right? Like does Russell Wilson stay in the NFC? Does Aaron Rodgers stay in the NFC? So um, I I would say, I would say the Bengals right now, but I know it's, it it can, it can change rather quickly
1: Uh, over the cap. I just pulled up the Rams cap situation, Donald 27, Ramsey, 23, Stafford, 23, uh, Leonard Floyd at twenty may well be on his way out. Andrew Whitworth we know is retiring. Robert Woods fifteen point seven. They probably would have liked to have Robert Woods because three great receivers oh, yeah. would have done it. But do you need Robert Woods at sixteen million or can you go to the draft for that? Uh, yeah, it's uh, if they can if they can figure out how the Saints had done it for so many years. There's probably something in here, but uh, Aaron Aaron Donald retiring would would kind of. I don't know changes that that whole thing. Uh this is how l- it takes a lot of luck to win the Super Bowl. Let's let's not let's nobody kid ourselves. The Rams were the 4 seed in the NFC. Uh they blew out the Cardinals, then they beat uh Zinger, help me out here. Tampa. Uh AFC Championship, NFC Championship was uh, the Niners? Niners. And yeah. Niners. then they won the Super Bowl. All those games LD by 3 points exactly. It is just that close sometimes and full props to them for uh making the bounces happen that's a that's a tough run that is fantastic
3: yeah and you saw it last year similar or not as maybe dramatic with the bucks right winning the four on the road winning the super bowl in their own stadium and you know at the beginning of the season we were thinking oh there's no way the bucks won't be there again it's gonna be bucks chiefs again and 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 you're right. It's just a testament how difficult it is to get back there and not only to get back there, but but to win the whole thing. And the only play that we haven't talked about that, like oh, Cincinnati, the Tyler Boyd, you know, that third and nine right near the middle. The, I guess it was the later parts of the fourth quarter The drop. He was. Yeah, he was looking up the field. If that goes like, I don't know. If, and it goes to your luck, right? He's looking up at the field instead of looking down at his hands and looking at the ball, makes that catch. She's definitely got the first down, and and who knows what happens after that, but that's hindsight for you.
1: Yeah, the, the margins are very, very thin at that level. A couple of bounces your way, a couple of drops their way, and Super Bowl champions.
3: Did you like halftime, though, Derek? I Did loved, you like halftime?
1: I loved it. I loved halftime. I thought they might actually have been singing, like <laughs> rapping, honestly, but I thought they might have actually been doing it live.
3: <laughs> Parts of it, yeah, for sure. Yeah. My favorite part was Dr. Dre playing the, the piano. I was like, "This is awesome!" And a, a bunch of my friends, because you know, it kind of you know, brought you back to a certain period of time. That friends of mine that didn't care about football at all. Did you watch the halftime show? And that's what halftime's all about, right? Getting all the people in to watch it and talking about it around the water cooler the next day, or I guess on Zoom calls since we're not allowed to do that yet.
1: Yeah, uh, f-
3: yeah.
1: I think maybe my biggest takeaway was. 50 cent is not the same guy who was on the cover of his <laughs> albums. He has, he has bulked up a little bit.
3: He was on uh he was on the Bengals offensive line. I thought for that first half, he must've been tired, played the full football game. They came into halftime.
1: Yeah. I, he's
3: a big boy. Yeah. I think
1: they made a miss by not having California love be the first song, but I have zero complaints about that show. Is
3: that what you put your money on? Is that uh, it?
1: It was, I just thought with the, with the lead Me in, too. and then, Me too. you know, it's, it's Dre and, you know, People were like oh what a, what if you use the tupac hologram what if you pulled that That's, out yeah
3: that was it too would could you bet it. on that like did they have a prop bet for whether the hologram would show up they did, and sure they did. some information
1: yeah. kind of leaked out on friday saturday that it was going to be next episode zingers that what they went with yeah that so that was still dre yeah the, Either way. yeah
3: that dropped, came later yeah
1: odds dropped on it significantly but california love was just about right eminem neils People said, "Oh, the NFL's mad at him." The NFL was like, w- "We saw this. In re- we Come saw some rehearsal a bunch of times. We knew exactly yeah. what was happening." I didn't even make a connection to Kaepernick. Yeah, I just thought either. it's just a transit. Mary J. Blige was laying on her back. Like, is that uh, is She's that awesome. against? Yeah. Oh, it was. Yeah. It was all fantastic. <laughs> so much to There's talk the- about. But final thought to you, buddy.
3: No, I was just going to say the other thing was they didn't want Dre to say not still not loving police. Uh, he said that as well. Yeah. So the, the moral of the story is if you're going to tell those two guys in particular not to do something, be prepared for them to do it and to do it even bigger than they were originally planning to.
1: 100% agree. LD, thank you so much for your uh, NFL contributions this season. It's been great chatting with you every week. Uh, you know, you're one of my absolute favorites. Thanks, buddy.
3: Right back at you. Thanks, Laura.
1: Laura Dykin, TSN, with us on the Western Pizza hotline dinner time game time anytime a great time to order western pizza ask your local western pizza location about their specials and you can catch her doing olympic coverage as they roll on in beijing i feel like there's a real divide when i watch now it's some are beijing but when it's like a billboard or whatever the, it's the beijing beijing they're very yeah. deliberate to hit the j and not make it a zh sound i'm like Oh, okay. I never
2: knew that was a thing until these Olympics started. But
1: I kind of you just kind of roll with it, right? Uh, yeah. The chances that I get to Beijing anytime soon are uh, none. So... <laughs> You're never going there. Do you no. <laughs> so, but if I do, I would like to know how people people who live there yeah. say it, like Toronto or Calgary or Saskatchewan.
2: I pronounce Calgary. Calgary. Is Why? that I don't know. That's Calgary. wrong. It's Calgary. Take
1: that last a out of Calgary. Cal- Calgary.
2: Calgary, Calgary. So like Calgary.
1: Calgary. Calgary Hitman.
2: Calgary. So it's like Calgary. Calgary. Yeah, why do I say it Calgary? I Because well, that's
1: how it's spelled, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Toronto. I'm, I'm just not very good at language, I guess.
1: <laughs> good thing you're on the radio. 623, <laughs> more coming inside the cage. 625, can't believe I didn't bring this up with Suits and Mullender. Brandon Banks. Signing with the Toronto Argonauts. Yeah. In uh, I, I don't know that it's a surprise. He was free to go anywhere. If you get used to a part of the country, maybe you might like to stick there. Maybe you believe MBT is the answer. But yeah, uh, Brandon the... Banks to the Toronto Argos. It's
2: because that that was announced like was it like Super Bowl Sunday morning or like late Saturday night? It just kind of yeah. It just kind of went under everything I was going on. But that's uh. If you need to add a little more spice to that rivalry, I guess maybe that would be it. But uh, uh, still kind of a surprise. I don't know. Uh, Brandon Banks, Andrew Harris. Like it seems like those uh, those are guys that you would want on your team like three or four years ago. <laughs> you know, nothing against those players. I mean, I, I, is it safe to say they're past their prime? I mean,
1: I don't know. Banks, Banks had, Quite had injuries possibly. this past season, right? Yeah. And he was nowhere near... The same – he was amazing in 2019. Right now, DeVaris Daniels, Eric Rogers, Brandon Banks, Jawan Breskison is the Canadian. It's a real – it's a real nice shaping up. And then, oh, by the way, Andrew Harris, if you want to, could catch 80 balls out of the backfield. Like, that's – That's all right. But yeah, Brandon Banks just going down the highway. Yeah. Suit up for the uh, double blue in a move that they will absolutely. Going to challenge
2: the Red Blacks for first place in the East.
1: (laughs) God, can you imagine a world in which the Ottawa Red Blacks. (laughs) No, I cannot. I still don't buy it. Still don't buy it. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Connor Bedard, WHL player of the week.
2: Second week in a row.
1: Nine points in three games. Was in on all but one of their goals in those three games.
2: Yeah, that like, was the the one uh win the other night, the Pats had five goals, Bedard had a hat trick and two assists, so he was in on Yeah. Every single it was craziness. And the like the goals that he's been scoring this past week, they're literally all snipes, like no garbage goals. It's like snipes from the blue line, snipes from along the far side boards on like the goal line, like the worst angles ever. Yeah. He's fitting the puck in there. It's like who are you? Like, are you a mutant?
1: You feel like maybe there's a nickname in the offing? Maybe Snipes?
2: Yeah, maybe Snipes. Snipes Bedard? Yeah, I think Darty's still up there, though. Or, no, the St. Bedard. Uh, St. Bedard, man. Yeah. Especially with Val- or not Val- uh, St. Patrick's Day coming up. Coming here, right uh, up. Yeah.
1: Uh, Family Day is next Monday. The Pats will play on that game. I think that might be the first time my lovely wife gets to see Connor Bedard live. And in person. Congratulations to Colton Flash, his rink Provincial champions. They beat Dunstone's rink. Matt Dunstone's rank six four. Uh, I took three and five, and then a steal in ten to seal it up. So Colton Flash, Catelyn Schneider, Kevin Marsh, Daniel Marsh are off to the Briar. It looks like there's at least a very good chance that Dunstone's rink will go as well. So where we had two rinks going to the Scotties. Looks like we may well have two rinks going to the Briar because three wild cards. And I think I saw that Dunstone's rink is fifth. Yeah. So that would be fantastic. More Saskatchewan, the better.
2: Happy for Catelyn Schneider. He used to be on Team Dunstone. Now he's back at the Briar with a different rink. That's good for him, yeah. Regina or White City product.
1: That is fantastic. We'll talk plenty more about curling tomorrow on the cage. Suits will be back. Arash Madani with some Olympic hot takes. He's firing out. Ooh. I love it. And anyway, we'll have all your rider news. Uh, and we'll talk more. Uh, your Tyler Toffoli going to the Calgary Flames. Zinger Can now. have them. Wow. Rebuilt time. <laughs> Burning it down. Sports cage on demand, wherever you get your podcasts for our friends. Oh, pardon me, our friends at the Canadian Brew House. Thank you so much for being with us. Stick around. Zinger at Night is next.